Hello, and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Ellen. And my name is Anna. And in today's episode, we're discussing Book 2, Chapter 9, The Great River, Exploring Waiting in or with Community. Anna, what is something that you have waited for that arrived and you were just so happy to have it arrive? Where like the waiting was worth all of that time? Well, I will discuss some of this in Mm. my story today. Okay, well, Um, I have one for you that probably isn't your story because I don't know that this really would have stuck in your mind. But you may recall, I think it was uh, 2006, maybe 2007, and we were told, you'll probably have a better memory of this than I did, that we were going to the Jonas Brothers concert. Oh my gosh. And I remember waiting and being so excited, and we had like little activities to do, we made We made signs. We had to decide what to wear. And then we Mm. made it to the concert. And I felt like the waiting and having to know it was coming and that anticipation really made the the appearance all the sweeter of my future husband, Nick Jonas, and the other two. (laughs) And the other two. And the other two. (laughs) Yeah, I, I vaguely remember this. I believe this was at a summer concert series that we Mm -hmm. were able to go i remember going with someone who i was close friends with at the time we went with other people i believe so yes wow in my heart and mind it was you me and nick and nobody else (laughs) nick jonas we know that you're married now um we're both in serious relationships but like also hit us up if you're listening (laughs) we're just letting you know Mm -hmm. yes yeah i i remember distinctly going i remember being so all consumed by your like fanship for Mm, this mm -hmm. band and they were just like too dreamy and too much and it was a it was a very emotional and very overwhelming experience for young anna for for certain and all the sweeter for the wait that's right so yeah, that was that's something that I thought of when I thought of waiting, and I, I wondered if it was going to be your story. So without any further uh, dilly-dallying on my part, how about you tell us what story that you've brought uh, along today's theme? Great. Well, it's funny that you brought up a concert because that also came to my mind as I was thinking about waiting and waiting in community with people and waiting for something that was important to us. So Ellen, certainly as you may recall, we are massive Beyonce fans. It's true. It's so true. All my ladies, if you hear me. (laughs) And so, and with that in mind, we purchased tickets to go see Beyonce when she was in Chicago. We say we, but I think you gave me a ticket for my birthday. Isn't that right? That's true. But like also, I really wanted to go. So <laughs> I think yes. we can consider it a collective decision. Sponsored by you. Sponsored by me. Right. 
so we went and the the place where the concert was being held was in soldier field which is a really old concrete stadium it's where the chicago bears nfl team plays and it's really only important to know that because it's right on the lake it's right on lake michigan and so when there are as there were that day many summer storms, it can cause all kinds of concerns for what is otherwise an uncovered outdoor concert. So the opening acts occur, and this is a long concert experience already. I think there were two or three opening acts, and then Queen Bee herself was set to I think perform for like an hour and a half or two hours. I mean, it was a long set. And part of that experience was she had many different kinds of stage setups, one which involved water kind of on the stage, which was stunning and gorgeous when you saw it take place. However, when you have lightning, um, as you do rolling in off of one of the Great Lakes, that becomes a bit of a hazard. So there was this weather delay, and it was a long delay. I remember sitting in the stadium, and again, we have, like, we've decided on our outfits. We're now grown from our Jonas Brothers days, but still had to discuss what we were wearing for the concert, and we're in these green ponchos. Yeah, the ponchos were an addition. Um, that they were was not addition. part of the original aesthetic we planned. <laughs> No, and they were, I mean, they were neon green, uh, if I recall correctly, and it's also summer, so it's really, really warm and humid, so you can imagine it's like raining off and on, we're in these ponchos, they're kind of clinging to your body, and it's just a little uncomfortable, and so, and we're in, I mean, not quite nosebleed, because we had a good angle on the on the stage but still I mean we were way 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 towards the top of the stadium so it was a lot of discussion around with the people around us if I recall like how long were we gonna stay how long was this delay what happens if the storm ends up canceling the main event and you could tell people are starting to get a big a bit restless I don't recall exactly how long the delay was it may have been 30 minutes I think it was more than an hour. I think it was like an hour and a half. Is that too much? That's, in my mind, that's how long it felt. (laughs) I don't know if that's rooted in fact or not, but it was a long wait. And so, again, the concert started at like six. So we had already seen two opening acts and then there was already a delay. So it was like maybe 8.30 or 9 before she even went on, and then we were set for maybe two hours worth of a show. So we're, you know, again, the crowd is getting restless. We're trying to, like, have some conversation. You can tell that the um, performers are kind of coming out, keeping us updated on what's going on, and trying to engage people. And finally, 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 the storm either passes or the lightning subsides, And it's determined that the show can and will go on. And the performance, which you knew already was going to be just chef's kiss, was so much better for having waited that long. I 
completely forgot how long we had been sitting there or that I was maybe a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit sweaty. And it felt like we had really bonded then with people who were also in the concert at that time, that we had all had this shared experience and all determined it to be worthwhile to stay that much longer. And to this day is like one of my favorite concert experiences just because it was such a prolonged, prolonged experience and prolonged almost hype about how good this show was going to be. And then she exceeded it because she is Beyonce and it was just absolutely outstanding. It was outstanding. And so that was a much more positive experience, less survival based experience for us to to see i mean i don't know it was pretty it was pretty dire there for a second but it's true that we didn't have like orcs shooting at us as we waited or made our escape to the roosevelt red line stop at the end so (laughs) right Mm -hmm. that's right it did feel it did feel that way towards the end because you were also just so tired but i mean we were like they were if i remember correctly they had also they were like broadcasting old hits from um, Beyonce, which of course are timeless, um, but some of her earlier hits throughout the stadium and everybody's like dancing and clapping and, you know, they're trying to keep us engaged in the process, which is maybe similar only in structure <laughs> and not so much in, in feeling or emotion as Aragorn trying to keep the crew kind of engaged with the process until they make a decision about how they will proceed beyond the rapids and after they get into his homeland. Ellen, what are the events from the chapter? Let's lay the foundation a bit for what even happened during the Great River. Yes, Um, and I will say I do think one of the biggest differences, orcs aside, between our waiting and the company's waiting Mm-hmm. is that there was excitement for what we were waiting for. It's mm-hmm. anticipation versus dread. Like this company, they are not looking forward to getting to the end of this trip. We were very much looking forward to seeing Beyonce. So with that as our framework, let's dive in. So the chapter begins with them just floating down the river. Nothing really happens for a few days. It's not... Uh, restful but it is peaceful and they are trying to sort of conserve their strength but around them the scenery is getting bleaker and more barren and it's it's very apparent that we are no longer in Lorien. Everyone is very much uneasy in their own thoughts as they spend these days floating down the river and notably Boromir is being consumed from within his mind by, quote, some restlessness or doubt. So he's chewing on his fingers and he's muttering to himself and there's a lot of turmoil really happening within his brain. As they're floating, Sam, who is not allowed to paddle, spots a log with eyes. Hmm. And then later, as he is keeping watch... Frodo spots a form sort of lurking in the reeds around their boats, which is scared away when he stands up. And his sudden movement wakes up Aragorn. They discuss what they think these things to be, Gollum. And their biggest concern is that Gollum, who has been following them since Moria, 
is going to give away their location to the enemy. So they keep traveling, they keep floating down, they're, tra- they're traveling by night, and are obviously moving faster than Aragorn expected because they hit the Sarn Gebir, the rapids, sooner than anticipated and sort of come across them in the middle of the night. They have to try to paddle away from the rapids. They're being pushed towards one side of the shore. And then Yurk, which is how I imagine you say orcs in Elvish, was not apparent to me with that spelling. But uh, as Legolas cries out in his own language, the orcs are here, so... They're shooting arrows, they have to escape, and some big bird thing flies up over them, and Legolas shoots it down. It's large, it's dark, it's foreboding, um, and it fills everybody with dread. They spend the night hiding, and then the next day have to find uh, a path to carry their boats past the rapids. Then they can get back into the water, and they soon come to the Pillars of the Kings. And this is, I think, a really well-described bit here. And for those of you who have seen the movie, you'll remember those big, tall, standing, mountainous statues that they float between. And there's a real change that comes upon Aragorn as they float through this. And he re-enters the land that he is king of and has been exiled from. At the end of the chapter, we reach Tol Brandir. Amon Law and Amon Hen, these three hills, and can't go any further until the company decides which route to take. Are they going to go one way and go to Mordor, or are they going to go the other way and go to Gondor? And this is the last stage of the quest, finally before the company. So, so, so much happens in this chapter that feels like again you know we talked about this a little bit when we talked about being in Lothlorien that the pace change is really notable and I feel like again here there feels like a quickening or a pace change for the company in the pursuit the fear the dread the sort of hurry up and wait to make a decision I think really comes through in the way that the chapter is written. It's a very, to me, very tense chapter to read. Yeah, I tried to get that through of like we're floating down, but we're not, we're not like. It's not like a lazy river. I know. I was like, we we don't have like a beer and we're not in in inner tubes. They're not in a lazy river floating down. Like they are resting their bodies, but it is not peaceful or it's not, they're not resting their minds. It is very mm-hmm. tense. Right. And for good reason. They're being chased by Gollum and now potentially a group of orcs. Mm-hmm. I liked your pronunciation of Yurk as Yerk. well. Like I was not sure how to say that, but I have to imagine that if Legolas said it, it would sound much more poetic. But when I think of it, it sounds like Yurk. Yurk. I know. He'd do it with like a cute British accent. Yuck. Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> So sorry for anybody who is actually British. Yes. Oh my gosh. We'll make it through. So that's that's what happened in the chapter. Do you want to walk us through the examples that you saw of the theme while reading this this chapter? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of what you noted in your summary are examples that I saw of the theme. Mm, so mm-hmm. 
right away on page 427, so the very first page in my book of the chapter, they're really talking about how they need to make a decision, and Aragorn continues to wait to make a decision. It seems like he's waiting for something, and that's being alluded to, but it's not particularly clear maybe to me or to the rest of the company, what exactly he's looking for. And that continues then on on page 438, where he wants to get to the North Stair, the seat of Amon-Hen, to make a decision. And I was a little unclear about why, if it's perhaps that there's a reasonable view to the landscape, but then we kind of get a little more information later in the chapter as to what that seat allows someone to see. The future. The future, but also like maybe just distances that are really far away. <laughs> like a regular hill. <laughs> like a regular, really tall hill. Yeah, you can right. just get up there and then you can see for a while. That's right. <laughs> And then, like you noted, Gollum is following the company and seems to be waiting for an opportune moment, but we're not quite sure for what. I think we can surmise it's to snatch the ring. And it's a little interesting how long he's been tracking them. And we kind of come to this realization that Sam sees this, you know, log with eyes that turns out to be Gollum, discusses it with Frodo. Frodo is aware of this and has known about him since Lothlorien. They discuss this with Aragorn and Aragorn's like, oh, yeah, he's been following us since Moria. It's like, y'all, we should have probably chatted about this with the group since three of us have. I know. Why is it a secret? I don't know. And individually, it seems like one of those risky things to not discuss with the rest of the company, just given that Gollum is a pretty chaotic character. So like, what if someone encountered him in the woods as they're like, I don't know, gathering firewood for the evening or something? Like, do they need to be mindful of that? I don't know, but they're not discussing it as a company. So that was curious to me. Then on page 433, they talk about waiting for darkness to travel upriver. Aragorn talks about, quote, We will venture one more journey by night. We are coming to reaches of the river that I do not know well, for I have never journeyed by water in these parts before. So they've sort of talked about waiting for the right time to travel uh, on the river, off the river. And it feels uh, much more intentional than some of the other waiting that's done in this chapter and and leading up to this chapter, um, that there's something advantageous to delaying movement by the company. I am surprised that there is any part of Middle-earth that Aragorn does not know. But I guess as a ranger from the north, now that we're getting further south, we are a little bit out of the areas that he's, he's most familiar with. And I think that really just goes to show how this company is being pushed beyond the realms where they're knowledgeable, both literally and physically, but also mentally and metaphorically, that we're kind of reaching this larger decision, this this next step in the in the journey, because Aragorn, who is the most knowledgeable of all the group of as many places as he is, is still unsure and a little maybe hesitant in in this new terrain so i think that really just paints for us a, a pretty detailed picture of where our company is mm-hmm. then 
on page 435, the company has been through the mini battle yerk attack that that you described and so now they find themselves in a literal safe harbor or a small bay where they decide to wait until dawn to to move forward um, hoping that the morning light will allow them to move a little bit more sure-footedly so quote here the company decided to stay and await the dawn it was useless to attempt to move further by night. They made no camp and lit no fire, but lay huddled in the boats, moored close together. So they're just kind of waiting for an opportunity to keep moving and to be a little bit more careful in their journey forward. That sounds like a cold and uncomfortable night. Yes, I'm imagining the old harbor in Reykjavik. mm if we had to moor a couple of small boats together in one of the inlets there and sleep overnight awaiting for the dawn, which wouldn't come until like 9.30 a.m., mm-hmm. um, that would be a really miserable experience for, for me. Yes, but we love to see the friendship between Legolas and Gimli, and I like that as they're laying there, Gimli's having a little snack and is like, Legolas, that was a great shot friend or what it what does he say quote that was a mighty shot in the dark my friend and i just think that they're so nice to each other it's like oh thank you for that affirmation as we lay huddled here in a wet wooden boat you know it's important to celebrate the small successes along a along a journey absolutely (laughs) and gimli is so he's so keen to do that yeah he is okay and then another example on page 438 Legolas and Aragorn are going to check out a space to portage the boats, which means to, you know, lift the boats out of the water and carry them um, so that they can get around the rapids, which no one is quite sure or able to navigate successfully. And so then they ask the remaining travelers to wait one day at the most. And um, if they're longer than a day, then to continue on as they're able to. But Fortunately, the company doesn't have to wait long. I think they said within the hour they come back and they have a path forward for the group. Did you understand in this area why they act like Legolas cannot carry anything? They're like, we only have two men here and nobody else is going to be able to carry anything. And I'm like, aren't elves supposed to be like humans plus? They're like the same size because that's a concern about Gimli is that he's too short to carry the, the boats. They're like, the strength of men will only get these boats through. I'm like, and an elf. Like, I just, I, I was confused why they just did not count him in as a person who could carry a boat. I guess I didn't notice that as much. Mm, I mm. took a, I took a, this was a perceived slight from me um, against <laughs> my boy Legolas. I'm like, Boromir, he can carry a boat. Why are you acting like Legolas can't? I guess I I hadn't noted that quite as much. Um, I just assumed that they were concerned about losing someone who is such a a good shot. Mm. If he was encumbered with a boat, that he would then not be able to use his bow or be able to scout as successfully. And because he has those skills that they were kind of saving him for for those those needs. Because, yeah, only Boromir Mm -hmm. and Aragorn carry the boats. And then everybody else gets, like, the baggage. (laughs) 
The emotional baggage. The emotional that baggage. All of them carry. Yeah. Coming in hot. That's right. Okay. And then the last example that I saw was on page 442. This is when Aragorn passes into his country and has, he's like actualizing his birthright. So the quote is, fear not, he said, he meaning Aragorn. Long have I desired to look upon the likenesses of Isildur and Anerion, my sires of old. Under their shadow, Elisir, the elfstone son of Arathorn of the house of Velandiel, Isildur's son, heir of Elendil, has naught to dread. And that he kind of changes outside of himself um, and becomes much more king-like, as you had noted, and that he's been waiting for so long to really come to this space. And so I thought that was kind of an interesting place for the chapter to end, is Aragorn really seeming to arrive at this thing long desired, long awaited, while the rest of the company is sort of dreading, dreading this next decision. So you have this juxtaposition of something that Aragorn really wants amidst a really unfortunate and really grim decision making for the for the journey. And those are my examples. Did you see anything additional? Well, I I actually have another podcast to recommend that kind of ties into what you were just talking about there with Aragorn. Mm. It's called Around the Circle, and it's an Enneagram podcast. And they just spent earlier this year like six or seven episodes typing 20 characters from The Lord of the Rings. And I just listened to the episode where they were talking about Aragorn. And for those of you into the Enneagram, they decided that he was a nine. And a type nine is called the peacemaker. And they are accepting. They are trusting. Um, At their worst, they have problems with inertia and stubbornness. But at their best, they are all embracing and really able to bring people together and, and heal conflicts. It was interesting to me how... Aragorn has really spent like the f- the first 80 years of his life up until now because we know he's he, I think he's in his like 80s or 90s mm-hmm. avoiding this birthright he is like I this this is a conflict that I am not going to walk into I am concerned I'm carrying the weight of the the sins of my forebears with me and we're just gonna be the easygoing cool ranger in the north and then seeing him here push past that and step into it he's he's done waiting and he's ready to take action and i i liked listening to their podcast coincided with um, me reading this chapter and i was like oh what Mm -hmm. a nice mesh that we have here of deep diving into aragorn's motivations and seeing him Mm -hmm. come come to life as a leader yeah absolutely well, no, I didn't have any uh, other waiting examples to bring. I felt like you really covered all of all of the moments in this chapter that talk about this community, this company waiting. And it's almost like they don't know what they're waiting for. But then at the end of the chapter, we realize that we're, we're waiting to make the decision. Mm-hmm. And we're at this, this turning point. Are we going to go this way and we're all going to go to Mordor? Or are we going to go to this, this way and we're all going to go to gondor and take the ring that way so it's the time has come the waiting is over which way will they go that's right and then and then we 
get to the last chapter in book two and we'll talk about all of this and more so stay tuned for that you'll have to wait a bit i can't believe we're that we're almost done with this um it's wild i'm not gonna lie to you i felt like we not like on a whim decided to start this podcast but that it was um something that we did just because we liked it and then all of a sudden it was like here's all of this content and it's going really quickly (laughs) i am i am shocked that we're that we're this far through and i really i do really like the next chapter but not as much as i like the whole next book i am here for the two towers it's everything i've ever wanted i'm getting ahead of myself we'll talk about this in our um end of volume two recap but Woo, can't wait. Yeah, a little bit of insight. The Two Towers is maybe my favorite book, but absolutely my favorite movie. So be just like, be prepared for you, Ellen, as our editor, that our episodes have the potential to go a lot longer. (laughs) Yeah. And for our listeners, that there is going to be a lot of fangirling, a lot of excited exclamations. (laughs) It's going to be great. Okay, so Anna, let's transition now to my new favorite segment, Talking with Tolkien. What uh, quote really stuck out to you from this chapter that you want to share? Share a little bit of prose with the, with the listeners. Yeah, so I had two. One just made me chuckle because it reminded me of my partner. So the first is, I always imagined as one journeyed south, it got warmer and merrier until winter was left behind forever. Frodo says that on page 428, and um, my partner is adamantly against winter and forever is bemoaning how cold it is and how long it is. So this quote really felt like Frodo was um, in sort of a kindred spirit with my partner in that regard, and that it just gets warmer and merrier in <laughs> as you go south. Yeah, yeah, just warmer and merrier the whole way down. And then the other that I liked is a bit more serious um, from Legolas on page 436. But change and growth is not in all things and places alike. And I like this quote largely because I think we often compare ourselves to other people as far as, am I growing at the right rate? Am I doing as much as people around me? Um, And this was a nice reminder that we're not all alike and that spaces and places call different things from different people and just to be kind of careful about that. That's a really good one. I'm underlining that in my book right now. Do you write in your book? Do you do little annotations when you read? Um, I typically don't. I do have someone that I, I knew through work gave me a really fabulous gift and they're highlighters, which can be erased. Oh. So they have this like kind of clear eraser at the end of them and you can you can scrub out anything that you've highlighted. Um, And so those are the highlighters that I use to mark quotes in these books. I don't know that I'd ever go back and erase them, but it would give me the opportunity to do so if I needed to. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I have like one of the $9 paperback copies. So Mm -hmm. I have have no qualms. I just write in it. And it's nice. Because now having read these copies a couple times, it's fun to go back and see what stuck out to me from a prior reading and it's like oh i liked that quote last time Mm -hmm. and actually the great transition because the the quote that i'm bringing today is one one such quote 
So this is when Boromir's throwing shade at Legolas. Not really, but it, it is the slight that as I perceive it. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about portaging past the rapids. And Boromir says, that would not be easy, even if we were all men. And it's like, ugh. And then Aragorn says, yet such as we are, we will try it. Mm-hmm. And I liked that quote because it, I, I think it's a good representation of just, well, as we are, this is what we've got. This is what we can do. This is who we are. We're just going to try it. And it seemed, it's, it, it's not like a big hopeful speech like he gives about, it is not this day, but it, it shows good leadership. And I don't know, I, I found hope in it. Yeah. I, what's that quote? Do the best with what we have. Yeah. That's basically you know? what he's saying here. It's like, well, but we're not all men. So such as we are, we will try it. Right. Because noticing that we what we don't have doesn't allow us to accomplish what we need to any better. So instead of dwelling on what's missing, let's just acknowledge that we still need to get this done. And so let's find other strengths that this company has to get it done the best we can and kind of shut up <laughs> for a mirror. Yeah. Like, what's the point in sharing this if it's not going to be helpful? Are you helping or hurting the group? You can just use your big, strong arms and carry it yourself the whole way through, and uh, Legolas and Gimli will get the bags, because apparently they can't do anything, so. (laughs) That was a great talking with Tolkien. Uh, (laughs) We we love to... We we love that segment. (laughs) Yeah, and I thank you for for all of that and for, for this discussion. Would you like to close us out today with the action item that you brought for us and the listeners? I'd love to. So my action item today is hopefully pretty simple, and it's to be present while you're waiting for something. So instead of that pernicious tendency to unlock your phone, to put in headphones, maybe try talking to someone around you or noticing something in that space to really um, celebrate the waiting a bit more than just using it as sometimes how my mind qualifies it, you know, wasted time or lost time. So to be present while you're waiting. I love that. That's something that I try to do when I'm out at dinner with another person and they go to the bathroom. I will not allow myself to get my phone out and scroll. I'm like, no, we are in a moment. We are still at a dinner table. We have to look around and like have an observation or something to share when your dining partner joins you at the table again. So it's not just scrolling and then they come up and you're like, oh, sorry, I didn't see you. I was knee deep in Instagram. (laughs) So yeah, I love that. I love being more present and acknowledging the waiting and letting yourself maybe be a little bit bored because it's good for us. So thank you for, for bringing that action item. Yeah, you're welcome. Today's podcast was brought to you by Logs with Floating Eyes. Definitely talk to your company about that. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in Fellowship. We'll do a whole episode 
just on the way uh, Viggo Mortensen as Aragorn kind of opens those two doors when he comes back to life and like leans in and they're like, my lord. Okay, so here's my spinoff podcast idea and it's like literally just thirst tweeting about (laughs) Viggo Mortensen as Aragorn. Perfect. Yeah, I'm in. Everybody's in. Everybody's here. It's going to be great. I have nothing further. No further questions, Your Honor. Court is dismissed. Bring in the dancing lobsters. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Forgot about that so... Never forget. (laughs) Never forget. Never forget the dancing lobsters.